So for the skeptics out there, you know, walk us through, like in some of the bigger places, I've seen stories about eye-popping sales, you know, for digital parcels that go for millions. But, you know, I myself have never met anyone who owns virtual digital real estate. And while I'm familiar with people who, you know, might spend a lot of money on their World of Warcraft skin uh, or something in Fortnite, because like you said, this is where they spend many hours a day and have made great friends and have a guild. And for them, it's social. They've invested in that world. It makes sense they would want to own a digital artifact from it. Is this similar where people who buy, you know, digital real estate then go hang out in a town square and talk? Or what would give it the value? Like in gaming, I understand what gives it the value. It's the people's passion, the amount of time they spend there, the social connections they make. But for, you know, a piece of digital real estate beyond, you know, maybe it's scarcity as a Veblen good, you know, what gives it value? It's a, it's a great question. And, and, you know, Will and I talk about this all the time, not just with people interested in our company, but our own investors. And the way, the analogy that we use is, you know, the market that we've just kind of been in or may be in is similar to the dot-com bubble of the 90s, right? Big topics and data architecture call for big conversations. Big Ideas in App Architecture, the new podcast from Cockroach Labs, invites innovators to discuss their experiences building reliable, scalable, maintainable systems. Visit cockroachlabs.com slash stackoverflow to listen and subscribe. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am your host, Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. Today, we have a really interesting episode about digital real estate. So we've talked on the show a bunch about the metaverse, we've talked about NFTs, and we've talked about how people really attach a high value to certain digital items, sometimes in games, sometimes in other areas. Digital real estate is not something that we've gotten too deep on, but today we're lucky enough to have two folks who are working in the industry. Gentlemen, please introduce yourself to the audience. Let them know who you are and what it is you're up to. Sure. Uh, I'm Joel Corrin. I'm the CEO and founder of Versprop, which is a digital real estate platform. My background is traditional real estate. been in the industry for 20 plus years. And we as a company believe that we're going to start a super cycle and something we're trying to, uh, to capitalize on. I'm Will. I'm the COO and, and a founding partner of Versprop. Also, from, I guess, what you'd call a, a traditional real estate background on the financing and development side. Spent 10 years working on some major mixed-use real estate developments here in London. Been working with Joel almost since the, the kind of beginning, since First Props, very early days. And we actually used to work together in the, in the real world uh, as well back in right. 2015, which is how we know each other. So for folks who are listening, give us a little bit of a history here. I mean, I know we could go back in time to The Sims and to other, you know, sort of online worlds that, you know, existed in the 90s and the 2000s. But more recently, like, what is sort of the short history of digital real estate? And I know a lot of this connects to places like Decentraland and the blockchain and folks who want to own things sort of in that metaverse or on-chain or as part of kind of their Web3 identity. So can you give us like a short history of sort of like how this kicked off? And then I guess, yeah, you, you mentioned a super cycle. So, you know, where you think it's going? I mean, you're absolutely right, Ben. It, it sort of was born out of a gaming community. And as, you know, technology has evolved, I think, you know, and blockchain specifically, I think it's opened up 
the sector to a, a more mainstream audience, you know, giving people the ability to own digital assets within particular metaverses as they're known now. We very much see them moving more towards a kind of professional business environment as well. I think we are looking at the past, but we're also looking at the future. And we see that future evolving into what we believe will be a standalone asset class and what we believe will be attached through its digital ownership to real estate assets and or companies or real estate portfolios. So that's our kind of thesis. I was just going to say, I think, you know, as you touched on this, the idea of immersive communities or immersive worlds is not is not a new one by any means. We've all long since enjoyed socializing and playing in these online spaces. I think what is new over the last few years, as Joel alluded to, is the commercialization or monetization of these spaces beyond right. just the social and leisure use, which is why, you know, it's now evolved to a position where, you know, most of the kind of world's major financial, insurance, retail, art, you know, names are in the space in in one way or another to capitalize on that. So for the skeptics out there, you know, walk us through, like in some of the bigger places, I've seen stories about eye-popping sales, you know, for digital parcels that go for millions. But, you know, I myself have never met anyone who owns virtual digital real estate. And while I'm familiar with people who, you know, might spend a lot of money on their World of Warcraft skin uh, or something in Fortnite, because like you said, this is where they spend many hours a day and have made great friends and have a guild. And for them, it's social. They've invested in that world. It makes sense they would want to own a digital artifact from it. Is this similar where people who buy you know, digital real estate then go hang out in a town square and talk? Or what would give it the value? Like In gaming, I understand what gives it the value. It's the people's passion, the amount of time they spend there, the social connections they make. But for you know, a piece of digital real estate beyond you know, maybe its scarcity as a Veblen good, you know, what gives it value? It's a, it's a great question. And, and, you know, Will and I talk about this all the time, not just with people interested in our company, but our own investors. And the way the analogy that we use is, you know, the market that we've just kind of been in or may be in is similar to the dot-com bubble of the 90s, right? Where, you know, there was this thing called dot-com addresses and people just rushed into them and paid millions of dollars, you know, for the ability to own a dot-com address. And it wasn't until the kind of early 2000s, that the, the way in which those dot-com addresses became valuable was through their utility. And I know there's a lot of talk about utility, and it's like, well, what does that actually mean? You know, my definition of it is, is a way in which, you know, it can appeal to mainstream adoption, because that's the only way that you get, you know, the sort of utility that I think we're both talking about, whereby you have a kind of, you know, stable, growing Uh, market making sector. And I think the last thing I would say is that a lot of these numbers that you hear that, you know, are being bought and sold and traded, I think there's a trader's mentality to some of that, you know, and I think there's a lot of sort of hope value to what it can be, you know, it's almost a form of gambling in some respects. I think, you know, the businesses to really watch out for are the ones that are either starting their own metaverses or, you know, creating their own digital environments, but have a very defined business case around what that utility is and how it relates to the digital environment they're building. Just to own land for the sake of it, it doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think you know the entire space, as you said, in some ways resembles dot com in that you know we went through two or three years where you know the crypto industry, the Web three industry as a whole, you know, got up to three trillion in valuation, and people were reading stories about you know multimillionaires from the world of Ethereum and Dogecoin and others. You know, that's now been cut down by maybe two thirds, and you know, it seems you know that we're in a bit of a crypto winter. Not that we haven't been here before. Is the same true in, in the world of digital real estate? I mean, have asset prices sort of spiked and then, you know, collapsed along with Ethereum? And I guess, like, where are they now? Are they back where they were three years ago? Or are they still, you know, above that? Like, what does it look like from your from your point of view? Uh, the short answer to your question is, yes, they have broadly followed the same trend line, both in terms of, of land values and in terms of, of trading volumes. So yeah. there was a period of you know hype over the course of you know 2020 into 21 where people were speculating on land you know you could buy a, a piece of land in in the central land and wait a few months and sell it for a serious profit right without much i guess mind as to its utility but i think in the same way that we don't actually necessarily or we don't at all see that as a negative thing we actually think it is a healthy part of any process. So in any, I guess, sector that, you know, is is going to be go on go on to become an established sector or asset class in its own right, you get this kind of pendulum effect, right? Where, you know, something starts and it's wildly popular and, you know, hundreds of millions pour into the market and the pendulum goes like this. And then, you know, because there's actually very little often underpinning that hype right? The bottom right. falls out, it hits, you know, a base <laughs> level. And then, you know, that's, that's really where it builds from and where it settles in a kind of equilibrium. And that's, I think what we're seeing now is the pendulum swinging back to the middle. And, you know, we see that as a good thing. So we see the fact that a lot of the kind of, I guess, bad players and mistrust is being swept out of the broader kind of crypto markets. We think, you know, Right. That's probably encouraging for what we would call more professional, more institutional players to enter the the Web3 market, which we think, you know, is necessary for wider adoption. Yeah. So for us, it's kind of part of a broader trend of professionalization of the of the world of Web3 growing up. I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, like I can relate to, you know, the utility of something like Fortnite, where all of these people can be together simultaneously. And some of the most interesting you know, sort of like virtual events that I've seen happen there where, you know, a, a performer would come in, they would change like the dynamic where now the performer can be gigantic and it's this experience and suddenly 10 million people are there experiencing it simultaneously. They'll remember that. When you say, you know, utility in your world, Talk to me about, you know, a client example, like who's bought, you know, stuff through your platform and you've seen them use it to make social connections or, you know, further their commerce or whatever it may be. Like what, can you give me a few tangible examples of utility or are you still, as you said, kind of, you're still searching for the utility? I mean, again, just briefly and then I'll, I'll let Joel jump in, but there is no single answer to that question. You know, the utility completely depends on the business that owns the land or is using the land and, and what, you know. So that, you know, the utility for Nike or Adidas is very different to the utility for Sotheby's, right? And it's going to be tailored completely to them. They'll both be trying to connect to their audience and their consumer base in a more right. immersive, in a more experiential way. Uh, you know, we've talked about in, in the real estate world, brand experience or experiential retail for a long time. 
and this is uh, essentially the follow-on from that. So the answer is, you know, the use case is completely different depending on the brand. So whether that's a gambling company creating more immersive, you know, gambling experiences, whether that's, uh, you know, music, art, retail, you know, whether that's fashion or whatever it is. No, no, I, I totally understand. And I agree with you that there could be multiple, you know, uses and yeah. that they would change, you know, for different people. I guess my question was like, can you give me some concrete examples, you know, from clients you have of what they've done? Like, I don't know if Nike or Sotheby's is a client, but like, what did they, how did they leverage, you know, the digital real estate to make it the price they paid worthwhile? And, you know, in what way were they using it? Because, you know, again, not to be challenging, although I said, I, you know, I said I would have you on the show, but I'm, I'm kind of a skeptic, but you know, this meta has invested 10 billion, you know, per year in this and sort of said outright, they haven't achieved the results they want. You know, the sales of their headsets are down. There are new players like Apple entering the space, which may give it a, you know, a huge jolt. And, you know, obviously when a company like Apple enters the space, you know, spatial computing, it could change things the same way the iPhone changed things. But as it stands, like, are people gathering in these spaces and, or, you know, are these brands finding success, you know, getting people to come have a virtual event and then buy art? That's kind of what I'm driving at is like, give me some of the tangible examples so that my, you can meet my skepticism and, <laughs> and, and convince me. I'm a perspective buyer. I rode the crypto wave early. I'm a, not a Web3 hater. Uh, I have some money set aside that's just for investment. Why would I buy anything through you? Where should I buy it? And what are some examples of people who have done it? you know, that, that you can give to me? It's a good question. And I think it's a question that, it, you know, really resonates in a market where use is down significantly, trading is down significantly. And I think, you know, to Will's point, a lot of the kind of bad actors are out now, and it's kind of what can the sector kind of evolve into. Let me tell you about conversations that we're having outside of what I would call the decentralized sort of metaverses, so to speak. And that's around more of a kind of B2B business model. So in other words, private companies creating their own private virtual environments that they gate with NFTs, that they then tokenize and that they then own. Now, we started this business because the use case was very much in the decentralized metaverses. They embedded the technology and they used, you know, frankly, let's be you know, honest here, they use their land sales as a, as a form of funding, right? They Instead of going out to the equity markets or the VC markets, they sold land as a form of funding mechanism, and it was a cheap cost of capital. And now those companies have to deliver on their promise, right? You know, and, and some have performed better than others. And I think you've seen that in kind of the usage numbers. You know, we are servicing that market. We think that, you know, we're sort of, we're there, and we're kind of saying to these companies, look, you do have a user base. It may not be a particularly high user base relative to what it was a year ago. But at some point, if you do all the right things, these individuals will continue building in the space. They will require more analytics, more handholding, more intellectual kind of know-how around what to do with those you know, parcels or estates. Now, to some degree, we're a bit beholden on how you know, those metaverses evolve. But where, where we right. are spending a lot of our time is in two areas. The first is working with businesses, you know, as, as we'll you know, use the term sort of grown-up businesses who have built their own virtual environments, have experiential 
you know, workshops in there or private, you know, kind of retail offerings and are now thinking about how to monetize it. The challenge you've got there is that crypto is still a little bit of a dirty word when it comes to, you know, large sort of regulated <laughs> businesses. And so as a result, when you start talking about, you know, tokenization and blockchain and the need to use crypto, then you start right. getting into the whole, okay, how can we simplify this process with an on-ramp, off-ramp type solution? That infrastructure is still being built. So a lot of what we're doing right now has an eye on B2B. You know, we also have a foot in the decentralized world, but we are somewhat beholden to kind of their DAO or their community, at, you know, what advances they make. We're kind of saying, look, guys, we're here to provide professional service you know, we're here to tell you what's a fair price or what's a good price or what's a ridiculous price, but we're right. not sure yet who's going to be the kind of MySpace and who's going to be, you know, the Facebook in three or four years' time. And that's... but gotcha. So when we kind of use the term digital real estate, I think we're looking at the now, but we're also looking at kind of what's to come. And what we're seeing that is kind of less obvious and is not in the press as much with these big headlines about being, you know, someone paying $5 million or $2.4 million for a virtual land is a lot of major businesses are building out virtual environments to serve not just their clients, but also their staff, right? And that is an area that we see becoming, you know, pretty exciting over the next few years. Yeah. So just to kind of strip it back to basics, we started this business as a brokerage right a, bro a brokerage and a marketplace it was started when trading volumes and land values were very high in these decentralized spaces right and mm -hmm. as you know time has gone on and we've built and we you know we only launched our marketplace very recently so it's actually fortuitous timing because we've been able to see that pendulum settle we've you know worked to expand our business model to cover private virtual environments as Joel has you know or any kind of immersive virtual space beyond the the traditional decentralized metaverses and increasingly we are positioning ourselves at the kind of intersection of real world real estate and virtual real estate i'll talk about a specific client of ours now just to get to that point because this is where we see the convergence of what we talk about as virtual and real mm. so we've been working with a large multifamily, I guess what you guys call multifamily, what we call built to rent in the UK developer. So these are, you know, big communities of, you know, apartments that are amenitized with facilities, amenities to bring the community together, right? Whether that's a gym or a, you know, a leisure space or a co-working space or whatever it is. So this developer has several thousand units within their portfolio and we're working with them to create a virtual environment again gated using using nfts that will provide access to the residents of their apartments with a kind of a digital or a virtual replica of the amenity spaces that they can access in real life now obviously they're not you know i'm not talking about having your avatar go to the gym or having your avatar go swimming uh, i'm right. talking about spaces where you know residents of these communities that might never meet or get a chance to meet in real life can attend online events in a more immersive way it's a way for the developer and the management company to communicate things to their residents in a more immersive in a more you know gamified way i think for them you know a few years down the line like nobody's going to even know this stuff is kind of powered by blockchain at all it's just going to be you know how you access 
you know, how, how you access a space. And, you know, we won't even think about the word NFT, we won't think about the word crypto, and it won't be such a kind of, you know, alien, these things won't be such alien concepts to the majority of the population. So I guess in that one, right, you're, you're talking about like, you know, it being sort of a community and that's what brings yeah. them together. So they would hang out there using what kind of tools? Like, would they have to be in a VR headset? Could, would they be on a browser? They just, yeah. Yeah, it's it's on a browser. It's all browser based yeah. for now. You know, the technology is is already there to have fairly high quality browser based experiences. I think when you start adding hardware into it you start to alienate good portions of good portions <laughs> well, that's of society yeah okay. no i mean so, look, i mean you I do it, right because there's a cost barrier then right? And, right and and as things stand right now quite a significant cost barrier so that's not right. an option right now and i don't think i'm not one of these people that you know will sit here and say well you know we're all going to be sat in our armchairs in five years with you know headsets on living life that way and i don't think and you know, i don't want to live my life that way i don't think anyone else does i think the way that we see okay interesting any any kind of virtual environment is something that's ancillary and complementary to real life and that brings you an element of you know whether that's an element of i don't know a buying experience whether it's a community experience right. it just brings you something that makes your real life better it's the same way I, I love like gaming, not Fortnite or Call of Duty gaming, but kind of sports gaming. So I'm, I could, yeah. to, you know, FIFA, for example, right? Like I spend a good amount of my time playing strangers online, right? Right. And I get huge enjoyment from that. But it doesn't mean that I also don't go out on a Sunday and play football or what you guys call soccer, because I do that every week religiously as well. So, you know, it's, it's complimentary. It's not a replacement and it's not. You know, right. we're not talking. So in, in some sense, what, what's interesting about this is you're sort of saying two things, which, you know, to me, address some of my skepticism. One, you don't expect people necessarily to go into these spaces like wearing a VR headset, and that's not a prerequisite. You know, that space has struggled to get adoption, although, like I said, you know, Meta continues to push there and Apple yeah. has entered the fray. And then two, that, you know, it's not necessarily about people who are in this because they believe almost in a passionate, you know, ideological way in DAOs or decentralized, you know, um, communities or whatever, you're saying this will be much more like a social network or, you know, the guild that you make online or the people that, you know, also love FIFA and the, the house will be almost just like a, like a membership in a club. And that way you'll be socializing with these people or forming bonds with these people. And that's where the value, I guess, of the property comes from or the value of that property could come from, there's been quite a significant adoption by the medical community, for example, right? Because, you know, actually in a, in a similar way to the design community, but without the consequences, it allows mm -hmm. experimentation in a 3D immersive environment without, without having to take any kind of real life risk, design risk or medical risk, right? So that value could right. come from its utility for educational purposes, uh, for medical purposes, for design purposes. But right. I guess the kind of the value, much in the same way as real life, right? Like the value doesn't come because it's valuable to everyone. It's not because it's valuable to all communities, right? It's because it has a specific use that's valuable to a community, you know, in the same way that office, you know, I don't know, skyscrapers in you know, the city of London in our financial district are valuable to the insurance and legal and financial communities, but they're not, you know, valuable to 
the design and tech communities because they don't want to be in that part of London, right? It's like right. It's dependent on the community. I think Ben, think of it. Think of it as a a modern day website or a modern day, you know, forum. But importantly, one that is mm-hmm. owned by that forum, or one that is it is owned by that building owner, or one that is owned by that tenant. You know, I think there's no point building a business today that fits a purpose today. I mean, look, take AI for example. You know. I'm sure you turn on your computer every day and you see a new launch of an app that's associated with AI on a daily basis. Like, you're too late, right? You know, part of starting, as I'm sure you have exposure to this far more than we do, but part of starting a business is about looking ahead, you know, a couple of years and saying, what is life going to be like in three years? And our strong belief is that, you know, the world is moving towards a more digital kind of setting. And it's also moving towards a tokenized setting as well. And if you look at what a lot of the market leaders are doing, whether you agree with their business models or not, like BlackRock, you know, and others, you know, the world is moving towards tokenization. And so it's it's only going to be a short time before real estate in the virtual form and physical form follows. And we want to try and lead. I hear what you're saying. You know, you believe in tokenization. Um, I'm not sure I, I fully believe it, but I definitely agree that a lot of you know, major players from finance and, you know, real estate. And as you point out, fashion or art, you know, are experimenting with it. I think it's, it's interesting, you know, to think about it, right, not as a virtual world or a NFT creation, but as you said, what is the next, you know, evolution of the websites and online communities that, you know, people have come together in or, you know, the games where people have come together. I'll say the value of the game is the pleasure you get out of it. We know what the utility of the game is. It's helping you relax after work. You know, I think maybe we're still searching for a little bit of that in the world of digital real estate. But, you know, I think that at least uh, it seems like your perspective is the world is definitely headed this way. We've been through a hype cycle. Now you kind of have to wait for some of the smoke to clear and see which of these experiments work. And then maybe you would know, well, this is the place to invest because we think, you know, prices will go up here, right? Like at this point in time, it's hard to say, we think this is a good investment, you know, because of X, Y, and Z, because prices have dropped off a cliff. And, you know, like we don't have those strong examples yet of like, here's how you provide utility and community like you could in Fortnite, you know, like, I mean, you know, the thing that people don't like about games versus decentralized is that it's owned by one company and they could change the rules. But I'm sure if they started selling houses in Fortnite and that meant you'd have the front seat at the concert, people would buy them because, you know, they, that's where their friends are and that's where they spend a lot of their day. So I guess you're hoping that that will happen. But, you know, for a broader or in Roblox, like Roblox partnered with Nike, right, to like create a world. So you're hoping that, you know, those spaces will continue to proliferate and that you'll be able to get people in on the ground floor. Yes. <laughs> as yeah. they say. But equally, I think our role as an intermediary is to try and identify interesting businesses that are making use of of a metaverse or a virtual environment and to provide users of our platform with access to those businesses. So we are spending our time trying to forge relationships with like creators of these spaces. And some of them are super new and super nascent. You know, for us, we're kind of sitting in the middle of it all, learning, constantly learning, constantly meeting new people. You know, the sector is evolving every day and the kind of traditional metaverse sphere is really like the tip of the iceberg. That's probably consumes, you know, less than five or, you know, less than 10% of of the time we spend learning about this space. Gotcha. So you're trying to find the communities where 
outside, you know, the spotlight of what's happening with, you know, Meta or Apple, people have been and are building successful digital communities, some of which, you know, happen to be in more of a metaverse type environment. You know, like you said, medical can benefit from 3D or architecture and design and then say, all right, well, you know, does real estate make sense here? I mean, like, I'm not sure I see why people who are meeting in a metaverse to discuss medical stuff and, you know, like, you know, look at, you know, 3D representations about why they need to have a house there. But, you know, I leave it to you to make that sale. (laughs) It's not about having a house, right? It's if you are Uh a, I don't know, a medical school and someone has built a very useful 3D tool in a metaverse and you want to rent that space to run a seminar with your students for the afternoon, you can do that, right? I think, I think Ben, one of the things I would say is that there's this like common misconception with, I, I don't think real estate is the right word. You know, what is, what is real estate? It's kind of like a footprint, right? You know, in the virtual sense, I think what we're really talking about is a kind of ownership in whatever community or virtual world you're talking about. And I think the common misconception is you kind of say real estate. Um, you know, most people's brains go to like, where do I sleep? Where do I eat? What's how many floors does it have? And it's like, well, that's not quite what what, what it is in the virtual setting. Yes, you know, you can kind of expand that into digital right. twins, and that does have a kind of virtual real estate context to it. But I think in the in the sort of NFT gated tokenized type environment, what we're talking about is an ownership in a sort of virtual setting, which blockchain allows you to do. What we like to do at the end of every show is shout out someone who came on Stack Overflow and helped to spread a little knowledge. Awarded two days ago to Omar, a lifeboat badge for saving a question. Somebody was having a problem with an event handler on a message box button. Omar had an answer for them, helped them get through this, and has helped over 44,000 people with this little bit of knowledge. So thank you, Omar, for coming on Stack Overflow, contributing some knowledge, and congrats on your lifeboat badge. I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Uh, You can email us with questions or suggestions for the show, podcast at Stack Overflow. And if you like the show, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. Fantastic. Well, Ben, thanks very much for hosting us today. Thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I'm Joel Corrin, CEO of First Prop. You can find us on LinkedIn, First Prop, B-E-R-S-E-P-R-O-P. And also our Twitter. We're regularly sort of answering private messages on that. So we we are are willing to be contacted at First Prop. Um, And yeah, look forward to fielding any questions. And I'm Will. I'm the CEO and founding partner. Check out our website and marketplace, www.versprop.com. Launched last week. So we're, we're super fresh, super excited about that. 